Let us hear the word of the Lord. Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love, it, love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals upon their heads. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My friends, it's a delight to be with you in worship, and we thank Julie Koenig for her wonderful harp skills. The only real reason why we brought her here today, though, was for my sermon. So when I make a particularly beautiful point, she's going to do one of those things. What's that called? Okay, it's called that thing that Jim just yelled out. It is certainly a joy to be with you in worship, and I hope that you are faring well and all is good in your homes. Wherever you are, I hope that you're finding joy and peace, and I hope you're remaining in steadfast hope because we are walking through this together, and we will come out better for it on the other side. Join your heart with mine in prayer. Creator God, we are thankful for the life that you have given us, but we confess as a community that there are ways in which we have not treated that gift well. We have been wayward, unwise, we've been sinful. Heavenly Father, it is also the shape of our faith to say and confess now that though we walk away from you, you sent your Son Christ to reconcile us unto yourself, and we are thankful. Christ is at work in us, God, and is cultivating inside of us a desire for your kingdom ways. In like manner, your Holy Spirit has been given to us as a counselor, a guide, and friend to make us into a community of care. Thank you. God, in this hour, wherever we are, we appeal to you and ask that you send your Holy Spirit to be with us, for you and I know that without you, I can do nothing. We ask that your Spirit move our minds and shape our hearts, that your Spirit would rattle us this morning and open us up to divine truth. 
or your seeds will be planted and what is grown is nothing but grace and goodness maturing into the vines that you have made us into. Heavenly Father, we're thankful and we ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and God's people all around say, Amen. When I was 15 years old, I had a job working for my uncle's cleaning company. We used to clean carpets and floors and windows, and we did fire damage restoration, water damage restoration. It was a very dirty job. And the head of my crew is a guy named Jimmy. Every so often, I noticed that Jimmy would quit working, and he would go outside of wherever we were working, and he'd take a smoke break. So I started going out with Jimmy, and I'd stand next to him, not to smoke, but to spit on the ground. And Jimmy would say to me, get back into work. What do you think you're doing? And I would say to Jimmy, if you get a 15-minute break for your bad habit, then I should get a 15-minute break for my bad habit. And Jimmy laughed at me, and I think that engendered myself to Jimmy. And so he liked having me out there for conversation. He asked about me and found out that I was really involved in my home church. I was really dedicated to my youth group at this point in time. And so he said, What's the deal with going to church? Like, why do I have to go to church? And I talked about meeting God there, to which Jimmy interrupted and said, why do I have to go to some building to meet God? And then he told me that he wasn't very religious, but he was, in fact, very spiritual. That's a dichotomy that's not necessary, but it's one that is often made today. I hadn't heard it before when, at that point when I was 15. He told me that he liked to play African hand drums, and so he felt a connection with the divine as he played his drums. He didn't need to go to any building. My 15-year-old brain was searching for an answer. And I said, well, I guess you go for community. You you need accountability. You need the the fellowship of the saints. You, You need each other. And he laughed as he took his final puff of a cigarette and said, I get all the community I need on Friday when I go with my buddies to the bar. And then he flicked his cigarette away, and we went back in to clean the carpets of some other building. A lot of people feel this way, church. In fact, I think if you've paid attention to any of the polling that's happened for the past couple decades, people have left the church in droves because they haven't found that this is the only place to meet God. And they get their community needs elsewhere, whether it's in something as old as Rotary or something as new as CrossFit. There and everywhere in between, people are finding a sense of community and people are finding a sense of what matters most to them wherever they are. Frankly, if I'm honest, I think the church has lost its teeth. I think the church has lost its teeth. You see, biblically and theologically, the church was always supposed to be a community of called out ones. One's called out of the darkness of the world and into the marvelous light of God through Jesus Christ. And they were the ones called out to live a different pathway under a different lordship, under a different ruler, or to walk the kingdom path. And therefore, that would make the church kind of strange. The wider, non-believing world would look at communities of Christians, and we call those communities churches, And they would be bizarre to look at. They would scratch the heads of people at their actions and their behaviors and wonder why. They weren't subcultures back then. The churches were more like countercultures, going against the grain of the power structures of the day. 
but as time went on, the church became accepted. And then it was aligned with empire. And as we press the history forward to America in the early 20th century and into the time when this church was founded, the church became known as mainstream. Whether or not you had deep conviction or not, you probably went to a church. It was another organization that you were part of. It was part of an upstanding society person to go to a church, to belong to a church. Maybe to be even on that church's board. In a lot of cases, if you peel the onion layers back, church was more like a social club or a benevolent society. Now, I don't mean to say that no one was believing or that no one had an ardent faith. I don't mean that at all. I just mean that it was the case then that it was no longer weird to be a part of this community called the church. It was common. And over time, the church became sort of a subculture of our broader culture. I'll never forget being in theology class in undergrad. The professor brought in this famous seminary professor at our school. He taught the grad students, or he used to. Now he was in retirement. We saw him around campus, but he's the kind of person they named buildings for and had lectureships named after. And he came to us undergrads and he began to ask us and talk to us about the Christian worldview. What is a Christian worldview, he'd say. One student sitting near the front sheepishly raised their hand and began to talk about some litany of things. And I suppose it was like this. Talk about Christian authorship and Christian books and Christian music and Christian conferences. And then that professor slammed his hand on the podium. Christian is not an adjective. It's not. Christian is identity. Christian is a being It's not an add-on to something else. It's not one more moniker to modify your life. I'm a Christian fisherman slash husband, father. No, it's your identity. But I think we've gone that way so often that the church has lost its teeth. And the world knows. That's why they're not looking to us for our opinions much anymore. That's why they're not asking us for much help. But there's hope. I think there's hope. All over the Bible, there's hope. All over these letters, there's hope. How to find our teeth. How to find the way God really wants us to be in this world. How to be odd again. All you have to do is turn to Romans here. St. Paul is telling the church in Rome how they are to look completely different than the wider Roman society. And here in our text that we just read, he concerns himself with what seems like a simple thing. How we treat each other. That's right. Even how we treat each other should be so different than the presumption and the presuppositions of the world and how they or it thinks people should treat each other that the way Christians do it ought to be unique. Think about how we're to treat each other. Just Let's give it another read here for a moment. Let love be genuine, says St. Paul. Hate what is evil. How many people are not hating evil things for the sake of political expediency today? Hold fast to what is good. How many of us throw away the good because we're disappointed or malcontented? Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. What does it mean to show someone honor 
What does it mean to show someone honor and how you write them on Facebook or how you speak to them in the hallway or show them honor and how you talk about them to someone else? What does it mean to show someone honor at your dinner table or your spare room? Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. How many of us struggle with hope? Be patient in suffering. Preserve in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. The one that shines like a diamond to me this morning is this. Outdo one another in showing honor. I don't see in St. Paul a competitiveness like you see with sports. I think the word outdo here is just a motor that's supposed to keep driving us to do more, to continually give honor to people. What does it mean to look around you and see anybody and every person and give them honor, more honor than you give yourself? I know two people who like to outdo one another in giving a certain amount of honor. Hollywood actors Robert Redford and Paul Newman I love Paul Newman. Everyone who knows about Paul Newman knows he had a hobby for racing race cars. And these two became best friends after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And they were endlessly pulling pranks on each other. One day, Robert Redford bought a beat-up jalopy of a race car. And without telling Paul, he sent it to his house and he did more. He had it installed somehow into Paul Newman's living room and arranged the furniture around the living room just like it belonged there, and he never said one word to Paul Newman. And what I like so much more than this is Paul Newman never said a word to Robert Redford. They just kept mum about it. Sometime later, Robert Redford came home and found a big box. If I'm not mistaken, there's a bow on it. I could be mistaken, but for our purposes, there's a bow. And he opens this jarred box, and there is that same jalopy sports car that has been crushed by one of those crushing machines, those industrial crushing machines, it dumps, and it just sat there. Paul Newman never said word about it. Robert Redford never said word about it either. They just knew that it was the other, and they kept doing this back and forth. Now, this silly outdoing one another is silly and obviously not what we're talking about, but I love the idea that we could keep trying to push the bounds of honoring one another. What does it mean to honor somebody? I think St. Paul goes even further, though, church. I think he's not just talking about how we treat each other on the inside, but how we treat people who might be opposed to us at one time or another, or who we feel don't fit well inside the church or who are outside in the world. Let's give it another read. Bless those who persecute you. I, my friends, am not good at that. Bless and do not curse them. I'm not good at that either. You, like me, maybe fumigate. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. What would it mean to live in harmony in 2020 during an election cycle? Do not be haughty. But associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Everyone should write that on the top of their social media page. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay it, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. According to St. Paul, we are to think about others in such a way is to not otherize them, to not keep them at a distance where we can draw a line in the sand and think, here's where we are and we are on the side of good and here's where they are and they are on the side of badness. But rather, it is to take even enemies and turn them upside down so they're no longer, at least in our view, enemies. You see, the church is supposed to expose to the world that the world is actually the world. What do I mean by that? We're to embody the life of God and the grace of God so much that when the world looks at us, it doesn't just think we're strange, but is left wondering what is missing in their lives. Friends, the church is called to teach the world what it means to be truly human. And so there's something about embodying the solidarity of the human spirit that is present here amongst Christians, those called out of the darkness. If we listen to these words about loving one another and abiding with one another and being a people of care and compassion, being a people of forgiveness, being a people who overlook deeds done against us, being a people who will take a mile and walk with those who persecute us, being a people who will outdo one another and showing honor, well, then we will have teeth again because we will be that community that looks so unique. Have you looked into the world and seen this kind of living recently? There are places. The news cycles don't pick up on them very much. There's an organization out of D.C. called the Aspen Institute I recently learned about. Maybe you know of it. They try to bring all kinds of educational programs to the country, and there's this whole organizational piece right now about Um, people from the right side of the aisle and the left side of the aisle getting together to figure out how to have dialogue without fighting. It's a note of hope, I suppose. You've heard me say from this very pulpit, and it's been lauded in the press, the very famous friendship between Michelle Obama and President George W. Bush. I love what she says, and I'll repeat it again. She says, we have the same values, just differences on policy. Differences on policy, but we have the same values. And make no mistake, I don't know what conspiracy theory you read. I don't know what meme you've read. I don't know what foreword you read. But the values for both people are Judeo-Christian. Let's walk away from politics for a moment. I love two thinkers, two political thinkers. One of them's name is Robert George. He's at Princeton. He's a white man, and he's probably one of the leading intellectual, conservative, political thinkers in the world. And I mean really conservative. I don't mean pundit. I mean actual philosopher, thought leader. And his best friend, one of his best friends is Professor Cornell West over at Harvard. He's an African-American man who's very progressive, almost the other end of the spectrum. And they're both equally brilliant. And these men have been on tour. They actually came to the Atlanta History Museum a little over a year ago. And when they get together, there is a conviviality amongst them. They laugh and they play and they joke and they disagree on how to approach the problems sometimes. 
but what they agree on is profoundly deeper. They, prof they agree on their faith. They agree on Christ. They agree on the hope that both points of view point to. It's out there if you're willing to look for it. If you're like me, though, most of the time, you're having a hard time seeing it, especially in this election season. And let me just say this to you. I've watched the Republicans, and I've watched the Democrats, and both are dealing in fear. And I love it because people keep preaching to me about not being afraid, but both are dealing in fear to score points. And let me say this, as called out ones, you can vote for whoever you want, but this is encouraging us to not be people who deal in fear, but to be people who deal in hope. Therefore, we ought to look differently. We ought to be harder to peg down and pigeonhole. Us, as called out ones, do need to gather, but unlike the world, we do not join the mob. The church is those people who are called out for a common purpose, but they don't join the mob. My friends, if we're to regain our teeth and our voice, if we're to make an impact in the world, if we're going to speak winsomely and freshly to the deepest, darkest recesses of our culture's soul right now, let me say this. Start here with St. Paul. Start with how we treat each other, how we talk to each other, how we talk about each other, how we imagine others in our minds, not as enemies, but as brothers and sisters. Let us share the solidarity of the human spirit and show the world what that means. I bless you.